Welcome to the Men's Health Unscripted Podcast with Patrick and Cam. We're focused on everything on men's health, looking at your emotional, your physical, and your spiritual well-being. Here to take care of that and make sure you keep on going. What's going on, guys? It's Pat and Cam. And our guest today is Erica Heibarger. She is a huge advocate for men's mental health. And since we are in Men's Health Month, let's talk about it. So, Erica, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I know you have quite a bit of experiences that have led you to this place of of men's mental health advocacy. So tell us a little bit about that to get started, just to give our audience some background. Yeah. Um, so I kind of was catapulted into men's mental health about three and a half years ago or something. My um, husband at the time had ended his life in front of me. And it so that was a real shock, right? It kind of just put me right into it. So going through my own process of grief and mourning and just really sort of reflecting on the whole relationship and stuff like that, it really put me, um, it connected me online with a lot of men's mental health advocacy groups and and just learning about it. Um, my husband's name was Will and he had, um, a lifelong of addiction and just his own mental health struggles and things like that. He was very much from like the old school of we don't talk about it. Like you're being a pussy. I don't know if how, what you're, uh, you can say that. You okay. Can say whatever you so, want. you know, but it was like, that's what he would say, you know, like I can't, uh, that's being a pussy. I'm, you know, a whatever men don't cry kind of thing. And I just really felt like if he would have dropped a few tears here and there, like we probably wouldn't have got where we got. So yeah, that was my, um, like I said, catapulting into sort of the men's mental health world. Sure. That must've definitely been an accelerated process. And I'm definitely, you know, really sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, it's very common. It happens, you know, and it is what brought me into where I am now into my continued advocacy and sort of just sharing my story is that it is so um, stigmatized. It's so taboo in, especially like where I live, the United States, you know, around here, like people just don't talk about it. They don't suicide, men's mental health. It's no one talks about it at all. And so I, I want to share my story and just let people know that it it does happen. You can get through it. It is very common and it, it goes along with grief and death. And I don't know, I just like to share my story to help anybody, help anybody just kind of get through it, right. Get through life. Sure. Yeah, and it's definitely a good, a good deed, you know, to be doing it. Cause like you said, it's not really talked about. Unfortunately, it's something that doesn't get discussed until something happens. It's one of those weird, it has to be like a, an effect cause relationship, unfortunately. Um, nowadays, luckily, you know, tides are starting to turn a little bit. There are, you know, organizations, there are movements, there are um, a lot more offerings for individuals nowadays to kind of discuss that and kind of hopefully get to the root and find a solution for that. But it's still, and for all genders, it's not just men's health related suicide. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of not touched about for anybody, like as in depth as it really should be. You know, quick point, it is no secret that men suffer from substance abuse, drug addiction, alcohol abuse issues, and suicide at a much higher clip than, you know, women do. And uh, as somebody, my dad had some substance abuse is issues um, 
when I was a kid and it prevented me from establishing a relationship with him past four years old, um, which is kind of sad. You know, I was lucky I had some family there to kind of help fill the gap. I think people realize or they see just the person affected and not necessarily the ripple effect that comes with everything that has to do with, you know, substance abuse and suicide and things like that. So um, definitely appreciate the work that you're doing for men. Yeah, it's, um, I, I do in that aspect too, like to share my story of, of the other person, not only the relationship and the, how it affected me as the partner and the spouse, um, being with someone who he did have a lot of substance abuse. And what was really interesting, which I think you too, as pharmaceutical people will find interesting is like he he was in construction and he was um like a horseman he trained horses so he broke his back a number of times got put on painkillers when the painkillers prescriptions ran out um he went to street prescriptions when the street prescriptions ran out he went to whatever else he could find He, you know, he ended up, you know, going all the way through till he was doing meth and he would get sober here and there. um, And maybe something would happen or trigger, or he would also start with, I'll have a beer. Beer would turn into a six pack, six pack would turn into whiskey and Cokes, whiskey and Cokes would turn into double whiskey and Cokes, you know, it would just escalate on and on. And then bad choices would be made. He'd compress all of those thoughts and feelings and emotion. He would start to feel inadequate. He would hide things and build things on and it just would escalate. And it was always so sad to me because I wish he would have had a place where he could go and talk and he wasn't, you can go to therapy and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. There's just, to me, there's got to be somewhere in the middle. And I think for me, that place is relatability to others and knowing that you're not alone. I feel that him ending his life was a pivotal point of loneliness. And that loneliness comes from not, wasn't where he had a place where he felt he could speak and be heard. So. Yeah, it's definitely super heavy. And I can understand a lot of that. Um, our viewers have heard a few times I've touched on it um, but I've had a lot of my uh, served in the military I've had a lot of my friends come back and they've they've unfortunately killed themselves um, upon trying to reintegrate back into society some of them with families um, some of them not so that loneliness and that isolation stemming from many different areas can really kind of build heavy on individuals and it's it is kind of one of those things where for some people I don't want to say it's more noticeable, but you can kind of see where that would like stem from. But that some people like they have friends, they have, you know, they seem like they're happy, go lucky people. But then on the inside, as you were mentioning, they have that inadequacy, that loneliness feeling, even though they have friends, they don't have people they can talk to. So that middle ground, I do, I, I kind of, uh, kind of feel pretty strongly with that as well, because while therapy is great, therapy does have its place. It is, it is difficult because you're talking about things that are very important to your, to yourself um struggles that you're having and then you're talking to a professional who may not have had any of those experiences may not be able to share those same exactly. feelings so you're talking you're talking to you know the chair um in the office essentially and while it it can be helpful it is definitely a tool that should be utilized it's not always the same kind of tool and then 
it's also I, I struggle with that, like, you know, not feeling alone in the sense where, like, you know, other people are struggling with it um, because the world is the world is massive. There's millions of people who experience the same kind of feelings. And I guess like the knowledge of knowing that there are other people struggling with the same things compared to actually feeling sharing the feelings let me say that sharing the feelings with those same people are very different um because like yeah i know there's you know hundreds of people struggling with depression struggling with you know suicidal ideation and things like that but then not being able to have like personal connection i think is is a really big separator for that um because then you're able to develop like a certain level of like friendship and comfort and things like mm -hmm. that and then you're able to talk to somebody who is in the same shoes as you who hopefully you're talking to someone and maybe there's like a stepwise kind of situation where they've actually kind of improved themselves. They've gotten past it. They have a little bit of help tidbits, things mm -hmm. like that, which is always useful. Um, but yeah, that middle ground is well stated. Some I haven't really heard too often from anybody is that that middle ground between yourself and therapy is definitely a pretty good flag that needs to be kind of flown high. We definitely have this podcast for that. I mean, we've had people reach out to us for various reasons, um, not necessarily mental health yet, but all kind of stuff. I mean, flies in our email and DMs and stuff. And um, it's good that there's outlets like this. There's others, you know, we're not the only shop in town, but you know, if somebody feels comfortable to reach out, I mean, that's a huge step because most of the times they won't. And most of the times guys won't. And the, one of the biggest issues here is male loneliness. And it's, I think it's compounded even more since COVID and since everybody kind of had to isolate and um, kind of go live in their homes for a little while. And they just, it's been tough for guys to reintegrate back into society. So like much to Cam's point, even if you're not military, it's just been hard for people to get back out there and break the general superficial relationships that we carry into much more deep and meaningful conversations. I think a lot of people are just scared. Like, what will they think of me? I'll be judged, mm -hmm. you know, to your point, are they going to think I'm a pussy? Right. Mm -hmm. And so all these thoughts go through their head when really, I mean, I think most of the time, at least in my experience, like when I feel like the world is crashing down on me, I generally kind of find like a neutral outcome. The you know worst case scenario, a lot of the times is neutral, not what our head does to us. That toxic, negative, like what if voice, mm -hmm. all those things that really just compound, you know, you get someone to a certain point, it's, it's just tough to go back. So can't imagine getting to that point and, um, and feeling that way. Yeah. It's been so interesting. Like just the whole journey of life. Like, so I'm 40 mid forties. Um, and so I'm kind of in this like weird midlife crisis. I wouldn't say it's a crisis cause I just don't really believe in that, but it was like a revolution almost like you just do get to a certain point in your life where you start kind of reflecting and looking back. So then I had this like traumatic thing happen, right? Like this person killed themselves right in front of me. It was really crazy. Um, one, it made me, I was, I'm a military veteran myself, but I was not in, in a combat time period. I was in a time period where there wasn't anything like that. Like I partied in Kuwait. Like it was not, it was not the same. Like yeah. people are always like, thank you for your service. I'm like, eh, you're welcome. But like, I partied the whole time, you know, it's very different from a combat veteran. Like those are really different. And, um, this type of situation though, made me or gave me some 
relatability to that because to a to a combat veteran because it was it was death it was death right in front of me and it when you come back and you have to like work and you know I have to do this PowerPoint who cares about this stupid PowerPoint you know you are in this so traumatic situation that it really just puts you a step back and then I was also sort of in this midlife zone I also then became like a widow in the middle of it like it was really crazy the last like three years have been really a huge change in my whole outlook on life but what it also gave me was a space to reflect and look back on the relationship that I had with him my own self my own mental health in that period of time and what I was going through and how it related with him how we affected each other and it's just been really eye-opening to me how men and women, especially in like the culture that I grew up in, how they relate to each other and the different gender roles and all this type of stuff. Like there's a lot of pressure on men and men now they'll, you know, I'm afraid to even talk to a woman. I'm afraid to even say anything because you don't know how they're going to take it. And it just acerbates all of that loneliness and disconnection from each other and social media so many things like we could get so deep and just go on and on but it's just been really interesting and that's what also started me on men's mental health and just really advocating for it I have two kids of my own from a previous marriage but they're very important to me and I want to create a space for them where they know that they can speak up and it, it you're not a pussy if you are having like a, a horrible day you know and you need to talk to somebody and um so I'm also just trying to learn that space myself as a woman and how to help men and help give them space um, when they need it it's really interesting a lot of men reach out to me and they're like we just never have heard somebody talk about things like you do. And it's just very helpful. Men, in my experience, are very easy to deal with. You just tell it how it is, right? You don't have to go into so much detail and make it so complicated. And even just that alone, giving a space where in I've seen men feel heard by just me sharing my message has been very helpful to me in my own healing, in my own journey of this whole thing. But so have you um, kind of noticed that certain groups of people reach out to you more than others? Like, do you have spouses who might, or wives that might be going through the substance abuse issues reach out to you? Do you find that it's men more just kind of looking for a place to land? I mean, or is it just a variety of you, you know, any experiences in that realm with, with people reaching out to you because of your message? Really, it is all over the place. Um, I think I connect with certain people because you have similar backgrounds, right? Like military people, um, maybe they're in the truck scene or construction or Western or whatever. You know, people just relate to you by your personal interests. But a lot of it, too, with just the grief and mourning part is... this person meant a lot to me. They, I mean, he was a real mess, you know, he had a lot of things going on with him, but I loved him. He was my husband and I loved and cared for him. And even though he had a lot of um, sort of real toxic issues and things like that, um, he was a real person and he had real feelings and emotions. So I think what a lot of times I feel people connect with me is that I, that I try to do always my best to see the humanity in every person. 
Um, I don't think anyone wants to be a dick, right? They don't want to be like, I don't even like saying the word dick because I think that's men, a douche, a douchebag. No one wants to be a douchebag, right? They want to be a nice person. They want to have people have good intentions. And sometimes we go off the rails a little bit here and there, but um, knowing that that also happens. Nope, we don't, we're not perfect. We're not perfect people. And so I think that's what makes people relate to me is just that I, try to do my best to see the humanity in everyone. And I get people all over the place, just even just grief. You can grieve a relationship, a divorce. You can grieve. You can grieve, uh, you know, just what you thought was going to be. Or you can grieve someone because they died. I mean, there's so many ways of grief. So we're kind of all over the place too. We have women are like, hey, thanks for doing what you do. I've had issues with X, Y, Z, you know, a dad or a brother or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have guys like mostly guys, you know, they reach out to us because they're like, well, you guys are pharmacists, you know, like how to make my dick work better. Right. Um, the you know, things. but <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, if that's kind of the thing though, but if that lets your foot in the door yeah, for the conversation, like realistically, sexual health is so big on, in guys' minds that even one bad experience compounds to all kinds of stuff. And I mean, we've seen it a bunch, like in our practices at uh, with the podcast and, you know, not to get too off track, but like guys put a lot of value in that. I mean, that's your virility. That's your, you know, I'm a man now because of this. So when those things kind of start to fall off and then, you know, health issues, it can compound and create anger and you can lash, you know, you lash out at the people that you love the most. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. And, and we do the craziest stuff to the people that love us probably. I mean, I, I don't know the science behind it, but probably because we know that they'll be there and deal with us right until they get to a point where it's not really recognizable anymore but um no to your point you did answer the question i mean you did a great job with it but it's just um i'm just kind of trying to get a gauge at who seeks you out because there's advocates all over the place and i think too i don't i mean when i first when this first happened i had a podcast that went out which i don't even have published anymore actually but it really went into the full details of the situation and the relationship and stuff like that he had a lot of um issues even with like legal issues and stuff like that he had done time and uh you know he had gone to prison for some of the choices that he had made it was um he would write checks his butt couldn't cash and uh so that too i mean just being really real people reach out to me because i do have a perspective on a lot of things um cameron like to your point when you were talking about therapists that's what i found is that the therapists that I have, I've gone to therapy my whole life. I mean, just, it was my parents were fine with it. Like if there was issues, we would go to therapy, not like necessarily every single day, but like regularly throughout my life, I've gone here and there, but no one had been through the experience as I had been through. The person who I was talking to, especially this last few years, I went more regularly when this happened they had never had anything like this happen to them. They had never been with anyone who had substance abuse issues. They had, they didn't relate to that alone, but then even going into the suicide or anything like that, I mean, it was just completely unrelatable. So people who reach out to me are people who have not found relatability with conventional therapy they find relatability with real 
experience. I am not a therapist. I do not have that skill set of certificates and all of that, but I 100% have real world experience in a number of things with substance abuse being the partner in that type of thing or having a friend or family in it. Um, I have real world experience dealing with um, like domestic abuse. When my husband would start using, he would come and it was more emotional abuse, not so much domestic abuse, but things like that. And just being real about that. So people who reach out to me are really people who just relate. They relate to the to the experience. And for whatever reason, um, they find something in the story that makes them feel that someone understands, really understands what they have gone through. So it's all over. I don't know. It's men, women, um, young people, old people across the gamut. I mean, really, it's all over the place. Some of the people who really resonate with me, um, who have like specifically reached out to me, are most likely, uh, most of them are right around my age. So in their 40s, in that midlife zone, because that's, I mean, we're going through a lot of the same things. We have a lot of the similar backgrounds. We have a lot of the upbringing we're the latchkey kids, we're the Gen X kids, we're all of that kind of stuff. So we relate to the stories and, you know, um, they can see themselves in me, whatever way, whatever piece. For sure. And, you know, we're, we're healthcare professionals and we had a lot of school and all that kind of stuff. And um, there's only so much that school can do for you. So, I mean, even like a therapist, I mean, my first couple go rounds with trying therapy happened just a few years ago. And it was like, this is a mess. It sucks. It doesn't work for me. Um, just because I didn't have somebody that I could relate to, or even understood what was going on in my brain, but, um, there isn't an amount of school or anything to prepare anybody for something like that. So, you know, we do advocate for using therapy as a resource, but also we let people know like, Hey, the first one you find might not be the one for you. You might have to go down the rabbit hole to find someone who has some kind of experience or has special training or something like that for uh, that mental health help. Um, and even just finding somebody like you, Erica, that can at least get their foot in the door, right. And, yeah. and be relatable too. So that's, you know, we definitely appreciate the work that you do because, you know, at the end of the day, you choose how to live your life. You've obviously chosen to make a difference because of your experiences and to prevent other people from sharing the same experience that you have. Um, yeah. you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that way. And like, you know, we live our lives this way where we want men to be healthier. We want men to kind of reclaim what a lot of us feel like we've lost, you know, in the recent years. And, and it, you don't have to do it and be a dick, like you said, or mm -hmm. be negative. I mean, you still be a happy, you know, loving, caring person. Um, you know, but that that's our goal is just to see guys like flourish more. There's so much loneliness and sadness and depression in being a man. And you would think like there's not, but I mean, there is college, like guys are leaving college at an alarming rate. I mean, we did a podcast about it a few months ago where I think 70% of the decline in college enrollment is boys. That's crazy. Yeah, it really is. The whole thing with the loneliness and the therapy is great. I advocate for it too. It is great because you can say whatever you want in there, right? Like they just look at you and don't say anything, but that's part of it too, is that then they don't, there isn't that personal connection. I didn't tell my friend. I didn't tell my mother. I didn't, I don't have someone like that to tell. 
Um, and, and again, in my own experience going through the grief, grief and, and, and the suicide is very lonely because it's very taboo. It's very, no one wants to talk about it. Well, same, I think a little bit in men's health, right? They don't want to talk about it. It's a, maybe a strange place for men to come and sit down with someone and even just open up and feel that there is a safe space that you can talk about. So even just that, even just me learning about men, like I said, helps me with my own male children and trying to help them know that that's a place they can talk and I give them space and let them know it's okay. They can still be very strong and masculine, but they can talk about things that bother them and push back on me. I want to also learn my own skills of being more of a feminine and, and learning how to support a man. I would love another partner at some point in my life. And I want to be learn and learn from every experience that I've gone through and learn to be the best partner I can for any future person I have in my life. And so part of it's just that too, my own learning of men and what their needs are. I can totally see looking back on the relationships I've had, where that's gone awry and where not all, I mean, it wasn't like all, just my fault or something like that, but it's all contributed. You know, when you're with someone, that partner contributes to your mental health, whether it's good or bad. And I also just love to learn about it and, and make sure I'm giving space to that. Yeah, like, I like to kind of play onto that and rolling, um, you know, kind of developing yourself aspect as well. Because that's something like whenever someone is feeling down, someone is kind of feeling that way, they obviously like deep down, they don't want to end their life. They don't want to have to bring that grief upon their families and their loved ones and things like that. Um, so when you go to see a professional, a therapist and things like that, and they don't have that shared, the shared situation, shared feelings, things like that while it's still good and there still will be personal growth, it's not really the same because then, like you said, you're talking to someone and they're just going to listen to you and it's cool. And that's kind of my issue with, with therapy, honestly, is um, I like to say they ain't got no fixings. So like afterwards you, you said your piece, but like, they can't tell you what to do. They can't kind of give you guidance. They can't do that stuff. That's not what it's for. Um, so at the end of it, you kind of like, all right, I just said all this stuff, but like now no one, in my family knows about it no one who really can help me do anything about it and being you know professionals ourselves we know there's some things that if you say it kind of gets a little flag in the community the medical world mm -hmm. and you know that's not fucking good so mm -hmm. i bet you say one of those things but barring that you kind of and my issue always with it i feel like you're always kind of back to square one afterwards because like i'm aware of how i feel i'm aware of what the problems are what's now the root cause is always probably what they're getting towards for that. So maybe root cause is not as known, but at the end of the day, I just said it. And I feel like it's not really a personal growth or development because when you share those with someone who either has a shared experience or it's someone you trust and you like, you know, they care for you, you care for them kind of thing. Both sides will then work together to kind of get to a solution, to get to the bottom of something. And that where I kind of feel more of that growth and development comes from, because like I said before, no one wants to bring that grief to their family. So if they're able to kind of grow and develop, that's usually a better goal for now. Unfortunately, that's not a model you can like put on a professional level because you can't get, you know, a, an army of therapists who've had these shared experiences. It's not how any of the world works, but um, 
I like that idea, like the whole the point as we're making here about like growth and development, because you are trying to like develop your emotional and mental self past and out of the funk you're in, the hole you're at, the struggles you're having. And then that way you can grow and become a better, better mm-hmm. for us. We like to, you know, put on your better husband, better father, better brother, because then you're, it's, you know, rolling all that positivity downhill. You're being a stronger person. You're helping, you know, your partner be a stronger partner. You're helping your kids now be stronger and more effective kids and then for adults. Um, so definitely a nice pin in the hat we got to kind of reflect upon too is that growth yeah and that was like for me too it's I want I want to know how I can support you like I would looking back right hindsight always the hindsight and when it's something so crazy like what happened you know it's like I just wish so much you know you that you that a person that he would have felt that he could have come and talked to me like we could have worked things out we could have done whatever and for whatever reason that didn't happen but that's just part of my goal too is just to help learn how to be that that's middle ground because like yeah therapy is it's great you can learn a lot of stuff but that door closes after the hour right one it's expensive one there's when this happened to me I tried calling. I mean, and it was like, this person just ended their life three feet in front of me. Like I need to come in and see someone. They're like, well, in six months, we may have some openings. Awesome. In six months, like I'm good in six months, you know, not really, but you know, and it was very difficult for me in a very traumatic situation to find the support I needed. And what helped me the most was people who reached out to me and gave me their personal stories of whatever of this happened. And this is how my mom got through something very similar happened to her, or this is, you know, we're just holding that space for me, for me to vomit out my feelings and emotions. And it was someone who cared and loved about me. It wasn't a complete stranger who clocked me and clocked me out. And again, therapy is great. It really is. But I like to advocate and through my work and what my sharing my story is of that middle ground of that. It is somebody who isn't it's just some someone who can relate and you can find these types of people like me all over the place and they can help you maybe just even learn how to have conversations with people who are close to you and maybe you hear words that help you or sentences or you know introductions almost to the topic that then you can go talk to your own partner about this and have those open discussions so it doesn't lead to a place where you are so incredibly lonely that you do feel that that's your your only choice is to something very drastic my nose always runs when i talk a lot (laughs) but you know something that i've kind of you know listening to you and like hearing cam and you know this has kind of helped me think a little bit about my own past experience and I'll say, I mean, I've had a couple interactions with men in my lifetime where they'll, something's not going their way, like to an extreme. I'm not going to go, like, I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want them to be revealed or anything. Um, But, you know, something goes wrong, a health concern, um, marriage, something goes awry that, that, you know, it's kind of like one of those all your eggs in one basket thing. And you know, like thinking back on it. I mean, there's been some men in my life that are important men to me that have said, like, just thinking about going out there and taking care of business. And like, there's been a couple of times where like, I've had to stop somebody and be like, I don't think that's a good idea because 
there's a huge ripple effect here. You know, as crazy as it sounds is like sometime, you know, this is before pharmacy and stuff, but I would sit there and listen and be like, and you think like, man, I can't even blame you, you know, cause something's just like the shit is just so off and, and they're a lot and they just perceive like their life is destroyed completely. And there's no bouncing back from it. And, you know, I'm glad we're having these conversations because it kind of helped me bring back some stuff. I, I mean, really, I could have been just like you, Erica. I mean, I could have watched that go down right in front of my face and I wouldn't know what to do. It, it's a scary thing. I mean, I, I can't imagine having to having to go through that and like having somebody right in front of you, you know, take their own life. And and guys are harsh, man. Like, that's the thing is I think that I think the last point about it is like there's a, a really high, huge discrepancy in the suicide rate between men and women. Guys are just so much higher, 75% more, I think. And it's the, it's not only the intent. If you look at intent, it's generally like guys or girls are about 50, 50, but it's the force that we take as men. Like men don't screw around. Like when it's no. time, it's time. And they take the force and they like, make sure that the job is done. Uh, Correct. And that is kind of like how I nicely worded that, but, mm-hmm. um, it's it's really true i mean just the in, the intent and like when the decision is made it's done and uh and i think that's what like really what is one of the scariest parts about it is because like when a guy says it or they they have that in their mind like they're going to do it nothing's going to stop them yeah yeah i think that relates to women is you know the maternal part of the woman and not that men don't have you know that type of relationship but I think I've in my research and things like that that's I know what a lot of it's always related to with men and women is some of that that men women also like they don't want you to clean up and things like that like women will do those types of things very cleanly and very calmly like they'll do a lot of overdoses versus like his was very drastic. He shot himself in the head. Like it was really intense. And um, yeah, that doesn't often happen with women. Women are much softer about it. Um, The whole thing, same. I've researched that myself. Um, It just too is getting to that point where they, it is the same thing happened with him. He was to a point where I mean, it was all really bad. He had got himself in a really bad situation and all of us were with it. I'm still recovering. I still am dealing with legal things and all kinds of stuff three years later. I mean, it was, he got himself in a real bind and, and like to your point, yeah, it's kind of like, well, here we are, but if there would have been more communications earlier and I feel that there is a pressure that men get under to be a caretaker in a different way, a provider and things like that, that the, these pressures build up. And that's what I still am looking through and sort of learning about is where are, what contributes to such extreme pressures that they're getting themselves in these situations? Is it just bad choices by the individual or is there some type of societal pressures that are pushing men so much to the point of breaking because it is men have a much higher rates than women. So that's where I'm still at is learning about that. I just find it unfortunately fascinating. 
I think it's a probably a good combination of all of that. Um, because to be fair to everyone, everyone in society, there is a bullshit amount of of pressure put on everybody for all kinds of things. You know, whether it's just like society, re- uh, religion, relationships, you know, responsibilities. There's all kind of bullshit that we all have to deal with day in and day out, and it's unfortunately unrelenting. Like you don't get to wake up, and we don't get to have like a peace day, a free day for this. You know you get holidays and even holidays are more stressful than like a Monday is. So it it doesn't make any sense um, why there is such a problem. There's such a huge issue in the world. And as, as a society, as a country, even we can't even like establish some kind of situation where it's like, yeah, things are pretty shitty. So let's take like every third Monday as like a mental health thing. Everybody kind of just mm-hmm. chills the fuck out for a minute. Like, I think that would be substantial. It's not going to like crush our GDP to the point where we can't survive as a country anymore, but that's also an issue we all struggle with. So as we were talking about how like women are more, um, you know, maternal and things like that when it comes to, to the deed, um, it is kind of interesting how, because you, when you talk to guys about it, like we don't really kind of think about anything past the activity itself. So like, you know, as Pat was saying with his experience, they're talking about, oh yeah, I'm just gonna get it done. And that's it. And like that's like the furthest they probably like thought about it. Like, oh yeah, we'll do this, we're done. Yeah. And then it, um, it was definitely like I'm gonna go take care of this and then like nobody's gotta, you know, nobody's gotta deal with me anymore. Like it's over. It's just yeah. over. And it's I've cleared the issue. No, you have like not. I'm a spooky Halloween yeah. ghost. I'm gonna go back yeah. into the into the fog mm-hmm. the next year or some shit. Cause like I've even yeah. had a coworker when I first got out. Um he served in the military early, long, like early eight, early nineties, late eighties, and things like that. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm just going out in the woods one day, and it's like when I'm done, I'm just gonna kill myself in the woods." And I'm like, "You'll still have everything else. You'll still just be in the woods now, and like they're gonna find you. And then now we have to rebuild all of this shit because now they have to figure out what's happening." And I'm like, "It doesn't just like stop and change everything." Um, it is kind of weird how I don't want to say shallow thinking we are about it, but we definitely are very short when it comes to thinking. We put more we put more thought into how it's going to be done than what's going to happen because of it. We yeah. put it that way, which is very interesting. It is. It's really interesting. It's a very interesting conversation, topic, situation. That you know, it is hard. It's hard. I understand. It's hard. Who wants to hear some story of this horrible thing that happened to you? But it happens to a lot of people, and it's it happens in um, too many. Too many people, I think, go to it as a, a solution, and I would rather use my time and work going forward to try to, you know, let's talk about how we can not avoid getting to that, you know, or how we can avoid getting to that situation where that you feel that's your only hope or solution for whatever reason that we build the space to have these conversations prior to that and support each other a different way. Cause yeah, we all go through it. We all go through stuff. Women go through stuff, you know, of all kinds of, I mean, everybody does, like you said, you know, work home, we'd all get mental health days on Monday, but it'd turn into a stressful barbecue, right. That everyone has to go to take a barbecue and then it gets worse. Who's bringing the potato salad. Um, did you yeah. know that Big Becky's putting raisins in that fucking potato salad? Right. <laughs> I hate going to that barbecue. Exactly. And then it makes it more stressful. But even just giving people the space for that, I know when um I've been by myself for a while, a couple of years now. But when we were together, it was like every waking moment that wasn't in work or uh was like, you have to be home, you have to be home, you have to do this, we have to do all this together. And it's I have found such a space in myself being alone. I have given myself that space that it's like, 
you can get a lot done mental health wise when you're alone. You can really think for yourself. You can give yourself space. You can become creative. You can produce art. You can look at yourself. You can remember what you used to like when you were five and you used to, you know, have some interests that got put away and you haven't been back to. I think that's another part of mental health, but men's mental health is play. Let's play. Let's go and play and have fun. Like we don't have to be so serious all the time. I was very serious. And it was very much like, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to be here. We got to go here. And it was like, that sucked. And that's a, you know, that's not fun. Fuck that barbecue and those raisins, you know, I'm not doing that. But it's like, we have to, we committed. We committed to the barbecue and the raisins. And that is just a thing that's learning too, is that we all are people and individuals and don't give that up. Get, you know, retain that and respect each other and give each other the space to remember that. Because I think that's where, in my opinion, a lot of the mental health comes from is retaining yourself. Not to be silly, but, you know, in Step Brothers at the end, when he was like, don't lose your dinosaur. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, but it, uh, you just actually, made me think of boats and hoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Snoop Dogg just redid that with them. Actually, I saw something. It was like, oh, okay, nice. here we are. Yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. But yeah, but like, totally. Yeah. Don't you like, don't lose your dinosaur. Cause the, there's so many pressures and you know, it comes back to the pressures and stuff. Like you got to go to work, you got to provide for your family. There's all these things that are kind of sitting on our head and, and it's, it's very heavy for a lot of guys. And I think a lot of guys don't necessarily get like the release that they need or just the, the, to step away from the pressure for a little bit because it's always going to be there. I mean, like, you know, Cam's idea, like oh, the Monday barbecues and all that kind of stuff, but they'd probably be thinking about guys and like me, other men, you're probably already thinking about Tuesday and Wednesday and you're dissociated from Monday and you're just there. Right. Yeah. So, you know, but uh, no, that's a great point is to, you know, guys play, go do things that you enjoy and don't lose your dinosaur. Exactly. That's, that's sad though. Cause I can't even remember, like, I hate that question. Like whenever you're, you're talking to the VA or the mental health people, they're like, have you felt like you've lost interest in things and blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, like everything, like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't remember like what I was into when I was a kid, you know, besides like mm-hmm. walking around playing outside and shit like that. But like, you can't do that now. You know, you see a 32 year old man running through the woods. Like no one's going to be thinking good things. <laughs> one's like he's frolicking. He's having a good time. <laughs> like we're calling the fucking cops. Right. Well, maybe we need to get back to that. It's okay. Yeah. There we go. See society again. Yeah. The balance, but that is, I mean, it is hard. It's hard to balance that kind of stuff. What did I, what did I even like when you, especially when you get if you have kids or if you get in that situation or just whatever your mundane, not the kids are mundane, but kind of, I mean, you just are stuck with them for a while, right? You, (laughs) you get in your routine and you get in your, your rut and whether that leads to divorce, whether that leads to substance abuse, whether that leads to suicide, whether, I mean, that leads to a lot of places that are very unhealthy and it's the rut. And in my experience and opinion, it's not giving yourself those spaces and, yeah, whatever it is, just being alone. And it's okay to be alone. It's okay to sign off and go somewhere alone. Maybe you go with the guys, Fight Club, right? Isn't that what Fight Club was about? We're not supposed we to talk about it. Yeah, but we don't yeah, talk about Fight Club. <laughs> but even that, having that space of, I, I don't want to go to the barbecue. I want to go to Fight Club, you know, is like, okay, maybe we got to, you know, work together on that kind of thing. Um, I may want to go to Fight Club myself. 
So respect when it's my turn, but I don't know, giving each other that space and men, especially they need it. I think they need it. Men and women, I think are very different beasts. And I think we need to take time to recognize that. For sure. Yeah. It's definitely a huge kind of problem with the modern pushes on things is yeah. Like I'm all about equality, everything like, you know, as creatures, we are or social beings. We're the same, you know, we're equality people, equal people, but like, down to like our natural exists our natural beings we are different we're not organized we are different things entirely we have different strengths and weaknesses we both are supposed to complement each other in those manners and by trying to like one you know one cookie one band-aid fix everybody it's not going to work because we have different molds so you can't mm-hmm. think that just this way of helping solve the problem is going to be for everybody like no you need to have this little dissociation this understanding oh this is going to help you know the men more this will help the women more this will help you know this will help Craig's and this will help. Yeah. It, what, and anybody in between, whatever you are, you are, but we're all very different and there's different needs for different, all, everybody, all the, any, all the, all kinds of kinds of people. So, yeah, I know. So that's what I do. That's what my story is. That's kind of where I come from. I'm just telling my situation and, and giving my experience. You can take from it what you want. You can leave the rest. You can tell me to fuck off. I don't care. It's just what my experience, you know, and I hope that it brings people peace. I hope that it brings people together, um, or just helps encourage them. Um, I try to show that things can go on from my sense of being a widow. I mean, I was a widow at 43 years old. That was weird. It was very weird to be a widow at 43. And you can move on. You can resilience and show that, you know, you can push through some of this stuff and you don't have to. I was in very dark places for a while, but I have to keep going. Let's see what, let's ride this train out and see what happens. Erica, I mean, I really appreciate your vulnerability and, you know, sharing your story with us because, you know, like we've said in the podcast, this is not an incident in isolation. This is happening to people all over the world. And um, when you're able to articulate it and tell your story, I think that a lot more people can find relatability, just like what we've been talking about this afternoon. So thank you so much for you know taking the time to share your story with us on um, the Men's Health Unscripted podcast, because I mean, this is really what we're all about. We, you know, we do have some healthcare professionals, we have like all around and then just people with a story. I mean, that's, that's the most relatable thing out there. And that's the easiest thing that people can understand. So thank you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was great. Thank you.